December 11, 2022. It's a lot for Pedro show.
Lock for Pedro show. Happy Sunday. Started off the show with John Coltrane with Miles Davis at the Newport Jazz Festival 1958 doing Alucha. I think that's a Charlie Parker tune. Maybe. Uh, then we had Savage Republic with nothing at all. Because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me. Brother Ethan Port. Welcome, Bart Ethan. Hey. Hey there, Mike. Yeah. We're making it up. We're supposed to do this a little earlier, but like Mr. Wells learned us, no wine before it's time. Ethan, <laughs> please bring me your earliest musical recollection. Please. My earliest musical recollection. Yeah, there's an echo in here. Uh, earliest musical recollection. I don't know. I mean, I say... Remember, it's a Watt from Pedro show. There's no hard questions. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> it's got to be the Beatles, because, you know, that's my parents always played the Beatles. So that's probably one of my first memories. Okay. In this pad you grew up in, did it have musical instruments? Uh... Not really. No. Okay. Toys. Well, let me ask you this. What was the first record you brought? Oh, me ask actually, you... my first musical instrument was the... I did play the pots and pans, you know? Okay. So your your pad did have pots and pans, and you repurposed them for drums. That's right. You know who else started out that way? Pontiac, Michigan, Elvin Jones. <laughs> and then his sister helped him uh, get some money with his paper route to get a real drum set, but... What was the first record you bought with your own money, Ethan? First record I bought with my own money was uh, here. that was a uh, oh wait okay anyway, first record I got was um, Cheech and Chong or Monty Python and the Holy Grail <laughs> comedy records. All right, were you a Doctor Demento fan on Sundays? Cammy T. Oh yeah, every, okay. every weekend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What, what what about the first gig you saw, Ethan? The first gig I saw, man, There's you have to test in my memory. I'm an old man. Um, yeah, but everybody's got a different path. And one of those ways to determine that different path was your experiences. And that's why I'm asking you this. Right. All right. So uh, actually, the first rock concert I went to was at the Santa Monica Pier. There was like a, there was like a free festival and it was like all these... Uh, rock bands but i think the first right around that same time my friend got tickets to Foghat at the forum i saw Foghat. i saw i saw savoy brown too this some of the guys were in that band <laughs> uh let me ask you this in school were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that uh i took i took a choir class but no i wasn't like in the i went to these small alternative schools so we didn't have any of that stuff that's why I asked the question, because some schools totally got rid of their arts programs. Yeah. That, that's why Flea yeah. opened up his Silver Lake Conservatory of Music. He went back to Fairfax High, and they had gotten rid of the music program where he learned trumpet. Right. Yeah, fucked up. Okay, so, um, you know the thing after school, not graduating, but in the afternoon, bedroom band, basement man, garage band, did you get into that stuff? Yeah, so in high school, so I, I took I took guitar lessons when I was in fifth grade. Okay, how'd that happen? They just had a class at my elementary school, so that's that's that like you know grabbed me, you know, like I'm playing guitar and 
I thought that was cool. Now, now, did you use one of theirs or did you get your own guitar? Oh, I got one. Yeah. And what was it? Was it acoustic? Yeah, it was in a, with the nylon strings. Yeah. It seems like everybody's fucking first guitar is a nylon string Spanish style acoustic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then the the records we're listening to it don't sound like that, so it's such a freak out. I remember. Anyway, well, that was the thing. I didn't I didn't have any voice. You know, I was like I was copying other people's songs, and I was learning. Yeah, but that's the way things were in those days. Yeah, you copied off records, Music right? Theory. Yeah. Yeah, then, uh, well, let me let, um, let me ask you about the experience of taking guitar lessons, and they were at the school, right? Well, first was at the school. That was that was fine, you know. That was like playing chords and stuff, and uh, but then I, I had a teacher, so my my parents bought me private lessons. And how'd that go? That was cool. Uh, she was a good teacher, but um, it was like folk and and classical music, you know, and I saw so her play the songs, but um, it didn't really grab me. You know, I did was you, like, did I was, you, like, let me happy. ask you this. I'm curious. Did you get the feeling like you just wanted to bring in records you like and say, Hey, will you teach me these songs? <laughs> yeah. Well, there, I did that a couple, there was a couple songs that we learned. It okay. Okay. It wasn't her fault. It's a, no, it's no, a, I understand. I understand. But you know, yeah. Proclivity. I, right? just, yeah. I didn't understand music. It's like, it's like, my parents, you know, my parents, what they liked and what they were listening to, that's what I was exposed to. And then um, at school, we um, we just didn't really, you know, like I was listening to these like funny comedy records. And the thing is, like in, our, in that time, rock and roll was like the big stadium bands. You know, yeah, like right. Arena rock. rock arena rock. Yeah. And even the Beatles, it's like we were just saturated with it. And it's like I just didn't it didn't speak to me. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to be, you couldn't, you couldn't feel connected to those artists. You know, they were so far removed. Like Mount Olympus to a little kid. Yeah. To a little kid. They're like these Olympic gods. And it's like, all right, well, I'm there. No, 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 Ethan, I think I relate to you because we didn't know about club culture. You couldn't go into little pads. Right. It's like, I didn't know. I didn't have a total. You know, when I think back on the movement, that's really what it was about, just getting music and venues small enough where you could see that bass guitars actually had bigger strings. <laughs> right. Well, that's exactly it. So, People don't okay. understand that if your only experience with music was guys that were like an eighth of an inch high. <laughs> yeah. Like, I couldn't even imagine playing. I didn't also, I didn't know, like, how the, how the sound was made and what it was. And so, um Cause that was a big change for me. Then I, I got some friends in high school, you know, that were into this, like the punk rock stuff and we're going yeah. to shows and that just like opened my mind. Oh, actually I saw throbbing gristle, right? They played in when at I Culver was city, right? They blew up the PA in the first tune. Mike, Mike exactly. Shepard put I on saw that, that show. And I'm just yeah. like, fuck. Yeah. This is what I need. I want to do. <laughs> Genesis <laughs> on bass. I remember. <laughs> right. So, you know, I had, I had like cassette recorders. I could make noise. I could, that's when I started uh, doing it. Oh, ah, you started home recording. It. Okay. Okay. That's happening. Yeah. And you could, uh, you could turn off the erase thing on the tape recorder and you could multi-track on the sure. same cassette tape. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just doing stuff like that. But, um, but the scene, that's where I met people and we'd start doing stuff. So it wasn't really school. I mean, there were some dudes at school, but it was mainly going to the gigs. No, I had one friend at school, this guy, Bob Waller. You probably know him. Oh, yeah, I remember Bob Waller. In Slivers. Sure. 
With Greg. With Greg. You know, we lost him a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, he lived rough. I didn't hear about that. And, and, and uh, who else was in that band? Martin Tambervich. Right. We lost so, him uh, about 15, 16 years ago. So I went down. That was your that was your rehearsal studio where they practiced, right? I was I went down there. Well, was like no, that wasn't there. mine. That wasn't mine. They they had that old, old shoe shop there on. Uh, it was only like a couple blocks from where uh, Charles Bukowski lived his last fourteen years. Oh, okay. Anyways, I went down there like once or twice with with Bob. They recorded that. They recorded a single. Right, right. On New Alliance Records with Martin Tambers, myself, and Dee Boone's label. Right. And he was only like 16, but Bob was a big mess, so I think he's dead. Oh, hey, oh that's true. A long bad. time ago. Yeah. Yeah, but was that one of your first uh, kind of musical adventures? Yeah, because he knew everything. Like, he was like he was like a teacher, you know? Like right, he, right. He right. listened to everything, and he explained things, and he would like, tell me, like, oh, there's this band, SPK, check this out. We oh, could. yeah, I remember them. So I was volunteering at KCRW. I think they were, Austra- they were Australians, right? Right. I was volunteering at KCRW, and we would go there on Saturday morning. There was a punk rock show that the um, Ruth Hirschman, the general manager. Ruth Hirschman. She didn't her do it, son, right? Her son had this punk rock show early ah. in the morning on Saturdays. And, like, we would go and hang out. And um, he died from a brain tumor, like, yeah, like that, right young. He was young because he wasn't much older than us, I don't think. Yeah. So, but we would go down there and um, – that's before it was like a big NPR station. So you could have sure, just like a rock station in the morning and no one would notice. I remember. So that was a, uh, that was cool. So Bob would bring all his records and then we'd go through the records they had at the station. And so you, you were on the my... West side there. So there was Rhino, yeah. right? You must've went to Rhino and Nels Klein worked there for eight or nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Rhino records was the big one.
bet a ketchup bottle it squirts where you aim it. Mrs. Porter, I've got the next best thing. Sort of feels different too, doesn't it? Go ahead, pop it. Might even sound strong. talk show at one time, and I don't know if they should really call them talk shows, I think they should call them, oh shut up shows, there's always someone on there, I mean I don't really care if Lawrence Henderson is in New York for three days, or when she's going back to Rome or anything like that, I'd much rather hear them get somebody off the street who just saw a spaceship and a urinal and can prove it, <laughs> that would be information.
upholstery Hissing snide remarks One after the other I was sick of listening and left Walk to the woods where Tabled light refracts Through the leaves Onto the water Bums my weary face Breathe to locate the pain in parts my body Picked a few off-white flowers Hiding under a clump I asked they answered yes Swallowed them down in one Drank from the stream Went home The intruder had departed And the stains on the couch Were easy enough to remove Watch for Pedro Show, that chunk of music star with Savage Republic doing Let It Ride. Then we had Boris off their new album, Fade. This is chapter four, Marine Snow. <laughs> Second language, right? Okay, Melvinator. Eric Melvin has got a new proj, Solo Man. I guess no effects is going to break up. And this is American Errorist. Eric Melvin. Dig that guy. Good people. Cryus Scrigger with phone grab practicing. Spotsky, my old buddy Spot up in Sheboygan. And the winning horse is uh, Grody Cone Horns Blow Dead Mother's Diaphragm Pioglitazone Dust Mope. <laughs> is that a fucking title or what? That's uh, Rubber O Cement from up in 
East Bay. Bombus Prendon after that with Total Failure Part 2. <laughs> no, Fair Rule. It's not fa f Failure. I wonder if they spelled that wrong. <laughs> fair Rule. <laughs> okay. Bull Shannon. This has got Chris Candy. Because uh, his new band, Ch Chato Ghetto. Chato Ghetto, I think, is gone now. And in Livingston, half of... Uh, uh, Mold Omen out of Baltimore with blight eyes, not bright eyes, people. It ain't no Asian uh, mispronunciation. Hidden Forces Trio with Raul Cantizano out of España huh? with a patrope. Old buddy Howie Reeves on uh, this. And Marco Sorato on bass, great bass man. Uh, finally, Savage Republic with Stingray. You know, I had Bruce on the show about a year ago, right? Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was so very cool. That song "Let It Ride." That was a Death Rite '69 song, right? Ethan, I wrote you about like this. <laughs> and you did. You did hit me to the last two, like uh, rock and roll. Uh, I mean, uh, rock and roll. De uh, Red Sea and uh, Mescalita. Those are Death Rite '69. But okay, right. I'll I'll correct the pl playlist. I want to get the shit right. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know, but uh, I had a suspicion on the other two because I remember when they were released. Anyway, so what happens? You're going to gigs, you're going to club gigs, you're finding people there, uh, you've learned some guitar. I asked about the bedroom band, uh, basement band. Does that come around? Yeah, well, so just at the end of high school, we, we put together a talent show band, you know, to play. So my friend on saxophone, and we did like a B.B. King song, I think, or something like that. So that's like the <laughs> first time I think I finally got a band together and i'm like oh shit <laughs> now did you band. do the lead guitar did you do bb's part yeah whoa <laughs> yeah. well if you're going to pick a lead guitarist man it's either jimmy or bb <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know or was... uh yeah you know zoot horn rollo <laughs> uh, no but, but that's interesting so so you you would say that success was a gig did this band have a name yeah, but I don't remember. That's okay. That's okay. And so you broke the water, man. What happened after that? So I graduated early. I went to UCLA, and then at UCLA, everything opened up. Cause oh, that's where you met kids. Bruce? That was like, you know, 82 when I started at UCLA. Yeah, so because that's... Bruce was telling me about some kind of tunnel or something that he started recording in near there. Right. So that's when I, I would see Bruce and, and Phil Drucker and Mark, Mark Erskine, especially, I would talk to a what, lot. What about the urinal guys? Because they were going to school there, too. Yeah, Kevin and, yeah. and his friends. John, um, John uh, and uh, Ke Kevin on, on drum. Well, later, they didn't play anything at first, right? They make the band when they learn how to play. And, right. Kel, and Kel, Kel. Yeah, so I would see, I didn't see Kel, but I would see, and John worked at the um, student union, so I would see him You know there. what? I Let's think he worked there. there after school. I think he worked there for like 50 years. <laughs> he, that was his career. Yeah, yeah he he's living in there. the desert now. Yeah, he retired. I love that right. guy. So but, I would but, see all these guys. The were a huge band of the Minutemen, I just got to tell you. Oh, yeah. They were, they were amazing. Okay, so you meet these other guys at college, right, that are doing adventurous music. Right. So then I was more like, you know, so <laughs> I was just, I was just crazy from Throbbing Gristle. I was like, how do you make this noise? You know, how do you make this, this these soundscapes and stuff? Did so, you get the records? You get the uh, the final, second and final report? Annual oh, report? I'd get everything. Yeah. yeah. And right. at Rhino, it would all come out of, Rhino had this importer. They would get the stuff 
there's yeah. somebody they had a really good buyer and the stuff would always show up there but well, we had the but, south bay with zed of london mike zed and his ma and they had the same kind of thing because i think they had a pipeline before the movement they were getting like the hippie spacey records right so when the movement came they were just plugged in yeah yeah so like right when it right when the stuff would come out like every there was every another pad was like too Christmas. there was a pad in pasadena poobahs right yeah Okay. So we were getting we were getting almost you know everything we knew what was going on and then the zines and yeah, radio yeah. shows right. like KPFK and right and right KPFK was where... beautiful. Did you used to listen to uh, Imaginary Landscape with Carl Stone and Tesseract? Yeah. So from working at KCRW, yeah. So to get out of high school early, I did a bunch of volunteer work at KCRW, and I met this guy David Cloud, and uh, he was friends with Carl Stone. And, uh, and I think Carlos he lives in Hagen. Tokyo now. He, he teaches at a, a college right. here. Yeah, right. There was a there was a geography. He worked in the geography department in the maps library. This guy Carlos Hagen. He would uh -huh. do these shows on KCRW and KPFK. They, they came from like the old like late sixties seventies hippie yeah. KPFK group, and there was some shakeup there. Right, where they all they all left KPFK. Yeah, and then a lot of them were doing. They were doing specials on KCRW through Ruth Hirschman. Yeah, and that was Carlos Hagen, and he would do these specials on like whatever topic. Like, but he would give me cassettes with like Popol Vuh and Amandul and Universe Zero. Oh wow! Yeah, he like he like helped like connect all the dots. Sure, out of that stuff. That's and, uh, so important, like, man. People ask me about the old days. I said it's about people. So are the new days. <laughs> right. Yeah, he would have these like, salons at his house in, in Malibu. And, well, you know, Michael, always, you know, Michael was actually from the hill here, from Palos Verde, but his family disowned him and shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> he had a band that played the other mask I saw him once. It was called Strict IDs or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so you got turned on by all this stuff. There, there, there was a weird kind of connect between that kind of... Uh, late 60s, uh, hip, early 70s hippie stuff and, and some of the underground of our movement, huh? Well, for us, for sure. So, I mean, like Hawkwind and sure. and then all the sound, like the cinematic soundscape stuff. So when I found yeah. that, when I met Bruce and I saw that these guys were doing like, like the kind of like the Greek music and the ethnic music, I was always, I started out into folk and ethnic music. Like, I didn't understand rock and roll. It didn't make sense to me for some reason. Uh, uh, KPFK had that cat at lunchtime named Mario, and he played music, you know, all this world music. Yeah. So they, my, yeah. The, guy in the, the guy in that band I told you about that yeah. did the B.B. King song, um, Chris Francesco, his mom dated that guy Mario. Okay. Because he would, <laughs> so I would go over to his house, and Mario, you know, was hanging out. and <laughs> He had 10 million fucking different kinds of music. It was beautiful. Right. Man. Yeah, and he would put on like dance, like dance concerts at KPFK. Yeah, yeah. That's Mario, Mario Cassetta. Scene. I think his name was Mario Cassetta. Mario Cassetta, right? Yeah. So, so that community, like, there's like you were talking about, like that community that was accessible. Like, okay, I can do that. I can play this music. And then, you're right. The club scene made made that accessible. And right. then, and cassettes. You know, we could we could record stuff, and it sounded shitty. All the kids seem to like cassettes now, but 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 the, but the ethnic thing. So this, <laughs> is this how you and Bruce get turned on to the Arabic? Well, see, I was always into it. Yeah, from okay. a young age, like I was, I was always more into that. So when I met Bruce and those guys, and I heard what they were doing, I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's that's my deal. So no, Bruce, those guys were older than me, right? Bruce is right. like they're yeah. all like eight to nine years older than me. So they. A lot of them had already finished UCLA when I got there. Like, they were finishing up. Like, I met Bruce probably my first – I was still 17, and Bruce was there. 
finishing up his art program and a Kevin and a Robert Loveless, you know, I would see them around campus, but that was only like the first year or two because they were all on their way out. Right. Right. But, but they were, but I, I found a sub basement. It's like the, the basement of the basement in the physics building. Cause I was a math and physics guy. If I was, I was hanging out there uh -huh. and there was this, there was this floor underneath the physics building in Kinsey. And it had been like, um, scheduled for earthquake retrofitting. So a lot of the, offices were empty so it was abandoned there was like this abandoned this entire floor was empty and it was full of like equipment and crap and it was this giant reverb chamber so i would put flyers up around campus trying to find anybody to play with and we'd go down there and we'd jam that would be and the then, venue <laughs> yeah that's when brad laner was doing stuff with us oh i remember he, brad, brad was in like a thousand bands and he was really creative he's got his little brother into it right he's like and eight or nine or something and, my, and i met greg grunke so greg grunke and i were, were starting to do music together oh man Ethan, hold Bob. that thought because we're at the end of the first hour december 11 yeah. 2022 edition pedro show special guest ethan port hold tight for hour two December 11, 2022. It's the second hour of the Watch from Pedro show.
Hot for Pedro show. We start off the second hour with Savage Republic. Hopefully it's not Death Rides. Or if it is, it is. I, I, there's no problem with White getting corrected. No problem. Unprecedented. Is this Savage Republic? Yeah, but that was written by uh, Graham Lewis from Wire Press. Wow! I got to do a yeah. collab with Graham Lewis a couple of years ago. Man, they were that was another big band with the Minutemen. That's where we got the whole idea for Lil Songs, uh, Pink Flag. Right. Anyway, unprecedented. Sav- you know, it does sound like an England guy would write. Unprecedented. <laughs> yeah, the let's imagine him dying, almost dying of COVID. You oh. that when he came out of his uh, coma, or thinker. Oh, wow. I don't know the details. Okay, yeah, then P- yeah, P- Pedro de Toulon, this is a piece that me and um, two of my trio, Second Men, Missing Men, did with uh, El Sonio de Mainayo, European trio I'm in, with these guys from Toulon, France, called Hi-Fi Club. So it's collaboration, and uh, Stefano Pelia wrote them. Our piece, we recorded it all while we were recording the El Sonio de Mainayo Terzo album, and then they played on it over there in Toulon, France. It's like the big Navy town in France. Okay, Savage Republican after that with Tablo, tab, tablo Rasa. That's wrong if you want. Tablo Rasa. So continue with your uh, story of the, the early Ethan Port at UCLA music scene. Right. So I was like, you know, finding whoever to do music with. It was very experimental. And the art department at UCLA was really experimental, too. There was a lot of per- weird performance art and just weird shit everywhere. And... uh so I met Bruce and those guys and I heard what they were doing and we st- I started going to their shows and, and that was cool. So I invited Bruce to come play with us down in the sub basement. So there's a couple times Bruce joined us and Greg and I were, uh, Greg and I would basically compose more of the songs and then everybody else would kind of like jam along. So that's where that Carlos Hagen was giving me the tapes of like Amandul and Popo Vu and all like the collectives that lived on farms. You know? Yeah, right, right. He, he saw the connection. <laughs> I think the Noy guys still live on. No, no, no. The Faust guys, they outside of Hamburg, they still live on a farm. Right, but no, we were just in a weird sub basement of a. But did, didn't Bruce stuff. find a place at UCLA where he was recording like a tunnel or some shit? Yeah, so there's a bridge that got covered up by by landfill between the music department and um, this other building. And there's like a, a road that goes over it. So it's actually a bridge that's completely buried. And he got um, keys to the underground tunnel to do recording there as part of his independent project. That's it. That he did at UCLA through Chris Burden, I think, maybe might have been the advisor. So, And Chris um, Burden, people, is a guy who nailed himself to a Volkswagen. <laughs> right, had his friend shoot him in the he, arm. And, yeah, get a cardboard box on the freeway. <laughs> Right. So we named our, we named our, my later band. You know what he ends up doing? At the end of his life, he's collecting light posts. They're all at LACMA now. Right. Well, so my mom was building a house in Topanga Canyon. Yeah. And when, when she, we were pregnant, waiting for our kid, we lived in that house for a few months. And Chris Burden was the next door neighbor. Like, oh, we would shit. just see him across the street. <laughs> so I got like, I was always getting these stories from Chris. <laughs> but And Paul McCarthy. That's right. And in fact, he had a band. He had a buddy. They were called Kipper Kids. Saw them a couple times. Georgie threw ketchup up. He grabbed a ketchup bottle out of one of their hands and started. They were like showing their dicks and shit and saying feeling groovy with the flashlights. We were kind of barracho too. So uh, if my memory's right, Ethan, you guys weren't 
Savage Republic at first. You were Africa Core. So that was Bruce and Phil and Jeff Long was in high school still. Right, the basement. High. And um, and Mark. Okay, it was before them. And on that first record, Tragic Figures, basically Phil wrote the first side of the record and, and Jeff wrote the other. I can't remember first or second which side it is, but and then Jeff Long wrote the other side. So a lot of the, the vocal songs were Jeff and Phil. And it is basically like Phil on one side, Jeff on the other. <laughs> and then um and they were they were Africa Corps. I don't know why. <laughs> you but you never played that. with me. Yeah, we, me and D Boone thought that was a weird name. <laughs> I would never be in a fucking band called Africa Corps. Like, what the fuck? Hi, I'm a Nazi, but I'm not really a Nazi. Maybe I'm a Nazi. It's that Halloween. Was like, that was all that Joy Division. That yeah, Joy I know, Division, I know, I know. You know believe me, put, believe me. Put a swastika on your arm. I, I remember like, those good old days. <laughs> I'm Jewish. Like, I'm not going to be in a Nazi band. Yeah. I was already worried about the South Bay people coming to the shows. There was Nazis in the audience like i don't your band doesn't have to be a nazi uh, there was some hollywood ones too <laughs> i mean maybe they're like you know i i, I don't even see where it's tongue-in-cheek what like happened uh, tongue it's not tongue-in-cheek remember the guy the uh, non who made some interesting yeah. music he flipped out look i want to play uh something i don't know anything about scan has 23 you can hit me to it. that's my new solo project okay okay and that's we'll get to that's- it
Watch for Pedro Show. That chunk of music to start off with a brand new project from Ethan called Scandass 23. 23 Skidoo. That's right. The White Thunderbolt Dakini. Irrawaddy River of Spirits. And then we have the organs out of Ireland doing bar legs. Bear legs. Bear, I'm sorry. Bear legs. And <laughs> Savage Republic have that with Bedouin. So, yeah, let's get back to that weird name. So you never played with them under that name. You joined after they changed your name. Yeah, they had already, in fact, when I met Bruce, I think they had already changed the name to Savage Republic. So Phil Drucker is Jewish, and his parents were paying for the record. And they said, <laughs> they said we're not going to pay for a record that's called Aftercore. So the first cover, Bruce couldn't couldn't use the name Aftercore, but I think he'd already printed the covers or something. The yeah, and people, you gotta you got to so understand why, uh, Bruce Leitcher. He didn't have Stout and print these things. He printed these things himself, and they were in yeah letterpress, and they were like real heavy, uh, bare cardboard, and they were really neat. Right, yeah, it was really cool. So, so Bruce printed stickers that said Savage Republic that he put over the cover because <laughs> it because it couldn't be. And oh, I think there there are some there are some covers where he he um, did a block of black and like crossed out Africa Core, and then he put a sticker over that said Savage Republic. And he got his friend. And I think uh, the guy on the cover is being assassinated or shot in a firing squad or something. Right. That's so. That's a famous picture from Iran when the Shah. Okay, fell. that's when it was. Yeah. So, so the thing about that shirt, I, I made I made shirts right of Savage Republic and um and that picture, and I was wearing it at the we lived at the co-op housing at UCLA. Yeah. And I was I was at, at um, dinner one time. And this guy came up to me, one of the students that lived in the co-op with me, and he said, that guy that's being, the guy who's on the, in the front with his arm bandaged, yeah, he's in the very front of the photo. Yeah. It's like a Pulitzer Prize winning photo, right? And then right. Bruce did the kind of the block printing. It's harder to see the details of the photo, which is kind of cool in a way he like abstracted it. But the guy's like, that's my professor. Jesus. I was cool with him. I felt really well, I remember in those days, uh, the Shah had police called Savak that were spying on Iranian students here in the U.S. Right, but that was the Ayatollah. They rounded every. No, this so, is after the revolution. They, yeah, right. They rounded everybody up, all the college professors and students. They right. rounded everyone up and shot them. Yeah, and that's what that photo is is of. So it actually has nothing to do with Africa Corps. Except maybe they got some deserts in Africa Corps. I think it was. I, th I mean, I think they were just trying to be abstract and you know trying to make things like not a specific thing. And I remember to... a picture in Rolling Stone magazine of the Rolling Stones in Nazi uniforms. There's some weird attraction to, to that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand it, you know. Well, Susie's, you know, the Banshees. Yeah, but yeah. For some reason, yeah. they were just trying to piss off the old generation, they thought, because everyone was traumatized from World War II. Oh, okay. So, okay. so whatever. That was then, but I don't know now. <laughs> Nowadays... <laughs> Why you were? Because he just Bruce just released a Africa Core, the, one of their first um, recordings, you yeah. know, at, at the Whiskey. Yeah. But it's like change it to Savage Republic. It's like it's, <laughs> he just put out an Africa Core CD. It's like all over the world on the internet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why would you? Why would you want to call yourself Africa? Yeah, I, I would not <laughs> want to call myself. And I did ask you the question. If you listen to the episode, and he was a, he was kind of like, yeah, what? Whoops. <laughs> Okay, we're at the end of the second hour. December 11, 2022, Dish Watt Peter. So, special guest, Ethan Port. Hold tight for hour three. December 11, 2022, 
It's the third hour of the Watford Pedro Show.
Watch for Peter Show. Start off the third hour with Savage Republic doing the Arab Spring. Then Gebedine with Smoke. Gebedine is a new project from Mike Patton who played bass in the middle class. Uh, he lives in a- Athens, Georgia now. He came to my gig in Atlanta. I said, wow. He used to run the buses in Orange County. And then he retired. Now he lives out there and he started a new band. And then Siam, Savage Republic. So what was the first gig you played with uh, Savage Republic? So first, so Greg and I got asked to join in 84. And then Tom Furman, we all met at Bruce's. And uh, so it was right around that time. We recorded we recorded Trudge and um, the song Trudge is the first song we recorded. That was December 22nd. 1984. But that's like right around the time we joined up. And then from 85 to 88, we were playing all the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So they did this big multi-month tour of Europe and I was in graduate school. So I had to go back and take my qualifying exams. We tried to make the tour during the summer, but you know, you can't really tour as easily. Because they got in festivals Europe. in summer. So Europe. Right. And everyone's on vacation and yeah. you know, whatever. So it got pushed forward. So I, I missed most of that tour, but, um, that's when they recorded customs in Greece, but I think it got kind of contentious. And uh, basically like Greg and Tom and I, we wanted to keep the band going more in a rock direction, you know, and hard edge. Mm -hmm. And Bruce wanted to do more just like cinematic music, which, you know, we weren't opposed to doing soundtracks, but we wanted also to have be political, right? We wanted to have songs and lyric lyrics. Yeah. So I don't know. But I wasn't there on the tour, but I think that was kind of a disaster, too, in some ways, like with everybody, people fighting with each other. So, um, But you yeah, actually, came back and you, you keep the band the going, though, right? Well, no. So we we basically like so Greg and Tom and I tried playing together, trying to do something else. Um, but things were kind of a mess and I was graduating. So then I left town. I was living in Missouri for two years and then I moved up to San Francisco. So we were kind of splintered. And uh, so we didn't do anything until I was in the World Trade Center on 9-11. And that was kind of like a wake-up call, like, oh, life is short. And uh, we decided to do a reunion because Bruce wanted to reissue the CDs. Yeah. So we did the box set. So I, I paid for all that for the box set. And uh, so the other thing that happened right after Savage Republic broke up is all the distributors went out of business because there was that recession. I remember. In the 90s. So it was a double punch, right? So we stopped doing things, and then also nothing was selling. We just became, like, obscure and unknown. Yeah. Um, so then we came back in 2002 and did this reunion. We did the five shows, and uh, Bruce didn't want to continue with that. But then Tom and I and Greg, we decided we wanted to keep going. And um, we talked to Bruce. He gave us his blessing. But he quits his own band. <laughs> okay. Right. And Bruce was like, you know, Bruce was kind of, to us by that time, he was kind of the leader of the band because we weren't in the original sure, incarnation. Sure. And so, I think he's the only guy left by that time, right? Mar- yeah, Mark Mark was like not doing well. So we replaced him with Brad and then Brad quit. Brad quit when we got back from Europe. So that was another thing. So Brad quit. So we didn't have a drummer. So then we did these final shows and we got uh, Aaron Shear amazing drummer to do those couple of gigs in 89 uh that was it but then we wanted to keep going so then greg and i and tom put it back together and then tom was able to get his friend alan waddington who's just this amazing killer drummer and that's been and then we got uh greg wasn't able to tour very much with us 
So we got Carrie Dowling, and that's been the band for the last like 13 years, I think. Like it's been really stable that this four lineup. So of all the new songs you played, that's the four of us. That's Savage Republic probably for forever. Okay, what, what's Death Ride 69? Death Ride 69 was Linda LeSabre, um, and there was a guy, Don Diego. They're from Washington, D.C. area, and then they moved out to L.A., and they did this record called Elvis Christ. And then uh, Don was kind of a mess, so <laughs> that, that band broke up right around the time Savage Republic broke up. I met them before Savage Republic split, but they were just kind of cool and tribal, so uh, Linda asked me to play with them. And she got a new bass player. So we were a three-piece. We played for through 89. And it got pretty popular in L.A. We were playing some big shows. We had, we'd always have day glow and weird dancers and, like, make the shows kind of more events. Right. And, well, you uh, gave me this two mescalita I want to play right now.
from Pedro's show. Last music for this edition. Start off that chunk of music with Mescalita from Death Ride 69. And the Hammered Holes. We had Alec McKay on last week. Mark Cisneros on the drums. Pilot Light. Fine after that with Paint Me Nice. I just love that title. The Norton Variations, number three for alto clarinet, soprano sax from If Bawana, Al Margolis, Chester, New York. And finally, what turns out to be the third Death Ride 69 tune you gave me, Red Sea. So, uh, off air, I got hip to the fact that uh, they booted, they scissored Ethan, but then they broke up. So, see Karma Wales, people. So, so what's going on right now with you musically, Ethan? Right now, there's a lot going on because Savage Republic is just like, We've got like our third wind or something. Great. That, that record, that record, um, Meteora that we just put out, we recorded. So we were able to get access to the secret recording location. That's just gigantic performance space during COVID. And we just used the sound of that space, like kind of inspired us. And we kind of caught like lightning in a bottle. We put those songs together really fast and um, it was kind of like energized us. So we're going to record another record in Poland during our tour coming up in January. And just things are good. We're um, now, we're playing uh, together so long together. We we just kind of know each other's style, so we don't have to work that hard. <laughs> we've got all the songs down. And we've got, <laughs> now, now the last that. hour we played this Scand, no Scandhas, twenty three. Scandas, Scandas, Scandas. I'm yeah. sorry, Scandas twenty three. Yeah, this is Dryan Zvanzig. So that's a that's a project of some guys that live near me in El Cerrito. Oh, okay. So um, it's not your just, project. You're helping somebody else out. Okay. It's no, it's my project. So it's um, we have a band called Mosier, which is the street that the community center is on in El Cerrito. We wrote the base of that song, and then during COVID, you know, we weren't doing shows or anything, so I put this together. So I invited some other people to collaborate, yeah, on it. And there was a benefit for Myanmar for the um, against the fascists there, right, right, the dictators. So we were raising money for that. My friend asked if I wanted to contribute something, so I wrote the song specifically for that. So the lyrics are all about. I have a friend named Machine Wynn. She's a poet. I remember Machine from the old days. Yes, yeah, she's a poet. She lives up in the city now, though. But she lives four blocks from us in El Cerrito. She's like our our best friend neighbor. So her partner Tom Scandura is the drummer in, in Mosher. And oh wow! Yeah, because you know she's on that Turns in Space song on. Uh, that was my first recording. Feeble. Right? Yeah. What's my it called? It's called uh, Mighty Feeble. <laughs> That's right. Turns for space. And it's, it, yeah, and it's like you t- people trying to sleep, you fucking nut. It's Helen going up on a loop. That's the right. That's us, owner that's lady. A, that's just trying to piss off um, Helen. People trying like, to sleep, man. No, no, the music that came out. <laughs> there's a tape loop about? of Helen from the anti club yelling at us. Yeah, like, yeah, I know, I know. It. It's a loop over and over. And then somebody's like, like hit, somebody's hitting the face. stage with a fucking two by four. So that's shit. me. That's me. <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, oh, look. Ma, she was, was great, man. man. She She's a great lady. She She's Burma? Okay, okay. She's a great poet, so Ma, too. Yeah, yeah, so Ma wrote a poem that's related to that. So that in the middle of that, um, Dan's wife is, like, reading the poem. And then I got my friend, um, Sophia, who plays uh, in LSD and the Search for God, like a shoegaze band. She did the vocals. And she, she was like, kind of like upset about the vocals because it wasn't like buried in the mix, <laughs> like in the shoegaze bands. I was like, no, it's got to be up. <laughs> but I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no interesting stuff. Where, where, where can people find you on the internet? Bandcamp. So mobilization.bandcamp.com. Mobilization, people. Is there a yeah. mobilization website? 
Yeah, there's a mobilization.com, but it's in disrepair. Okay. <laughs> okay, so if you want to get the music, people, go check out mobilization.bandcop.com. Yeah, so we, I mean, we got Instagram and Facebook, too. Savage Republic. All the corporate like, shit. Official. But, you know, it's good to have your own website. It's like having your own fantasy. Exactly. Uh, so so the next thing, the thing that's coming right up is Savage Republic tour in February in Europe. January, right. January, January 2nd. January 2nd, coming right up. The worst time to tour. Yeah, heavy weather, (laughs) so you be careful, okay? But you won't have a lot of competition. That's a good thing. (laughs) Man, it's been a big honor. Look, you get any more of your stuff music going, like this uh, Sahan 23 or or the new Savage Pub, please come back on the show. We can talk, Ethan. Excellent. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Absolutely, absolutely. Safe seas to you and Bruce, okay? Uh People, it's been the December 11, 2022 edition. Why, Pedro, should keep your powder.